Hello out there, Jews. My name is Moshe Kasher, and I'm here with my brother, David Kasher. He's a rabbi, I'm a comedian, and we thought, why not spend the quarantine arguing with each other? David, what do you want to argue about today? Well, uh, this is a, a COVID-inspired uh, podcast, um, and so I thought, you know, Passover is, is coming up next week, and so, you know, rabbis always talk about the holiday that's coming up, but, uh, but what I, I, I thought we, we should do today is to, to think a little bit about all the ways that what we're going through right now is eerily similar to the Passover story itself. Right, except that we don't gather together. We're not going to cross a sea together. We're going to thankfully avoid each other this Passover. That's the one positive of all of this, is that we no longer have to sit together as families. Isn't that what you think, David, as a rabbi? I definitely am psyched not to have to spend this Passover with you. Yeah, I'm going to miss mom. I'm going to miss uh, the rest of the family. But a serious, serious silver lining to all of this is to not have to break bread or matzah with you. All right. Wait, wait to be glass half full. That's um, right. So here, so here's here's what I propose. I, I've, I've been thinking about this for, you know, rabbis, they think about uh, Jewish holidays. So I've been thinking about this for a while, and I, I can think of all kinds of ways that Passover, the Passover story is, is in direct parallel to this experience we're having in quarantine in the time of Corona. So I, I, I want to see how many of them you can name. Oh, right now, just go? Yeah, just not, not like, like spatter shot, but just tell me, like, what, what comes to mind? What's a... Uh, what do you? What are some of the par- the obvious parallel? I mean, there's one that's just extremely obvious, right? It's got to be locusts, right? <laughs> well, sort of. It's not the locusts. I mean, it's plagues, right? I mean, like, isn't, isn't that the 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 most obvious parallel? Is that we are? I mean, this feels like a plague, you know? I mean, I don't think I've ever been through something that actually felt like, oh, this is kind of like a, an actual plague. Oh, you should have tried growing up with you. That felt a bit like a plague. <laughs> that's mean. Okay, that was too far. Yeah, that's too far. That's hard. So, it parallels with the plagues. What are the other parallels? Well, think about it. What else can you think of? Um, okay, let's see. Um, oh, um, it, feeling like you don't have freedom. Right, right. That's definitely true. And in a very specific way, also. I mean, we're staying in our inside our houses, right, all the time. Oh, is that kind of like when we were hiding from the angel of death who came and uh, looked for blood on our door? No, that's literally where the name Passover comes from. I mean, the, the name Passover comes from a time when we we had to huddle inside our houses or else we would die. You know, I mean, right. it's like, the parallels quite strike. I mean, it's just I just just saying it's eerie. You know, it's a, sure. Like, there's a way in which this year feels like, oh, I mean, oh, it's so sad. We won't have Seder together, and I really do love you, and I would love that. But, but there's a way in which this feels like the most Passover Passover we've ever had. That there is some kind of scary angel of death that is hovering around everyone on Earth. And it, should we not huddle together in our little units, we will get touched by some sort of unknown, terrifying force that is coming for us. Yeah, just it's just a it's a it, I've heard like um, a lot of people describe what's going on as like biblical, you know, like that, right. epic, which means like oh, it's epic, it's of grand proportions. But 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 in this case, it literally is biblical. Like this is this feels like 
an actual plague. In fact, one of the plagues is an epidemic. Like the plague dever is a cattle disease. It kills off the animals through this spreading disease. So like, <laughs> there's really like, this, this is like straight out of the book of Exodus. Well, hey, we can keep going because it's not just a uh, animal disease that was uh, struck the cattle of the ancient Israelites, but this whole thing is an animal disease that comes from tasting of the sweet and delectable meat of the pangolin. Mm, I'm going to miss eating pangolin. Well, you see, pangolin's not kosher, and, uh-huh. uh, and, and you can see why. We get to the root of the problem. Yes, I don't know. One more thing. When you describe this as biblical, don't you feel a little self-conscious as a rabbi that something so horrible, literally the worst thing that's happened to us in uh, our lifetime as a global community, everybody's like, this feels biblical. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather be like, man, this awesome experience feels biblical? No, because I think that's, I think that's part of what that story is about is that the forces of nature, I mean, like, you know, you could read the story literally, uh, like, oh, God got mad and came down and did these 10 things, but but I... I, I, do, I do, I do read it literally. I know you're a fundamentalist in that way. Absolutely. I'd like, I'd like to add another layer of interpretation, which is just that, like, this is, this is a represent, this story is like a representation of what it feels like to have nature kind of raging at you in a way that is so clearly beyond human control like to really feel like oh we can't do anything nature's that powerful that's that's what a plague is that's what what it feels like to experience you know experience the the the, the great forces of the universe in a in a brutal way well you know i have in just in you saying this i have come up with another striking parallel between the passover myth and what we're going through because the people of egypt were experiencing these horrifying plagues that were striking the population one by one, right? That was problem number one, right? Yeah, yep. And problem number two was an insolent and unwilling to admit that he was wrong leadership uh, in the Pharaoh that was only exacerbating things and making it worse. Now, I don't want to offend anyone listening. We are a hardcore pro-Trump podcast. But in this case... That is another parallel, which is is that you have a leader who, in times of crisis, doesn't feel like the person you need to rely upon. That's exactly right. Exactly right. That's another parallel, another striking parallel. I mean, like there there are people around the Pharaoh saying, "Listen, you gotta start listening to Moses and Aaron." Like this is it's the evidence is clear. There has been there have been five, six, seven plagues now. And, you know, he keeps saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then taking it back. Like, no, no, no. Actually, everything's fine. Proceed as normal. You know, it's like. So, so Dr. Fauci is is Moses? Dr. Fauci is Moses. Yeah. And Aaron is, Aaron is, is what do you think? The, the, well, maybe, uh, the South Korean government? Well, maybe Aaron is Dr. Fauci. And then Moses is some, like scientist in a lab like producing the results like okay here's what's going to happen next and then pharaoh's sure. got this his own advisors around you know like the, these egyptian advisors eventually start saying please listen to you know the data here and he just you know he 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 and the striking thing is that he's he says oh i will and and then takes it back so yeah i think that's another eerie parallel um all right 
All right, all right. So the the, the last major one that, that I want to put put out there, maybe I'll, I'll I'll let you guess also, is less about the story and more about our practice of Passover, how we observe Passover. There's something about that that also feels very COVID nineteen. Well, we have a seder, right? right? Right. We have a we have a ritual meal. Mm-hmm. But what's we, like what's the preparation for Passover like? Oh, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, you make love, do you have marathon lovemaking with your wife the day before Passover? You do at least seven sessions? That's not the one I was thinking about. Oh, that's a more arcane tradition from our Hasidic family. But I think you're talking about doing a deep cleaning of your house. Totally. And, and, and like a, a total cleaning of the house with a sense that any trace, a, a speck of bread is like a contaminant. And, and you've got right. to like purge your, and people, go crazy and I don't you know like they get obsessive maybe maybe too much they they start freaking out and 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 overdoing it because they they don't know they never know if they've actually gotten that last trace of bread out of their house yeah now it's not possible to actually get every trace contaminant of the bread out of your house so is the freak out like kind of a a symbolic spiritual freak out when in reality, you have to know that there must be a trace of chametz somewhere in your house. Well, first of all, I mean the levels that people clean their house. I sometimes wonder if there if there even could be. But we do. So first of all, we actually do something in Jewish ritual to 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 account for that, which is that we 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 recite this null this act of nullification, like this sort of intention that says, if there is any left in my house, it's called bitul bitul chametz. If there's any left in my house. I hereby, it's nothing to me, right? So that, that uh-huh. that's our attempt to to account for that. That's like sorcery. It's like a, a transmogrification. We turn bread into dust. Yeah, I think of it as like creating a reality with our consciousness. I like that. Rather than sorcery, which is the way you described our religion. I consider the Jewish religion one of deep magic and great sorcery. I <laughs> think the rabbis would all agree with me. There, there are Jews who would, who would agree with you, but I, I am not one. Okay, okay, uh, the wizard rabbi. What else did you want to parallel between COVID and Passover? Well, no, I, I think I think we pretty much got it. But it, it's it's um, it's just a weird that like it all of that raises the question. You know, like what what is it what is it going to be like for us to to go through Passover this year, like? If, if all of those parallels are just like pointing themselves out to us, then what is like, you know, what is We usually during Passover end up talking about themes of, you know, uh, human oppression and, you know, social justice. And, 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 th- and th- that seems like the obvious place to go. But this year, Passover feels like it's a different kind of holiday. It's about, I don't know, like reckoning with the forces of nature and being scared that your your life is 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 on the line and 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 not being able to trust those in charge you know it's a, it's a very particular kind of passover experience we're having well i also think uh that's totally true and it's also interesting that usually when you have a passover seder you are speaking in the abstract about people suffering everywhere, people under the yoke of oppression everywhere. And this is a pretty unique Passover in that we can all be pretty sure that every Jew celebrating Passover 
everywhere around the world is in a form of oppression because of this virus. I mean, that yeah. is the that is the the fascinating thing about sicknesses is they don't comport to wealth and privilege. It can help to have a little bit of wealth and privilege, but it certainly doesn't exempt you. They don't comport to political ideology. You know, it strikes Republicans in the same way it strikes yeah. Democrats yeah. in the same way it strikes libertarians. So, and they don't, so everyone is under, on, on some level, under the yoke of the oppressive virus that is, of the oppressive angel of death that is floating through our world. No, totally. That's, yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's well put. But, and I, you know, there's something about that that feels, the way you're saying it is, it, it, it makes it, it viscerally immediately relevant, but it also does this thing, the way you're describing it, of kind of uniting us all in, in a past, like we talk, we're talking a lot about how um, isolated we, we are and, and we are that, and, and it's hard. And a lot of people will be celebrating Passover all by themselves this year. I'm, I'm one of them, but like, there's also something incredibly bonding. Like I know that everybody's huddled in their house, like trying to figure out how to do this Passover thing, even though we can't really be a part of our community. Like there's a way in which that in itself is this like mass, we're in this massive global community. Even well, as that, isolated. Yeah, well, that brings me to my question, David, which okay. is how, Rabbi, I should say now, Thank um, you for addressing how does, how does um, I don't consider it an honorific, I consider it kind of like a nickname, like, you know, a like, slur. you consider it a slur? No, just like, you know, like Fat Tony, you know, it's like <laughs> Rabbi David, you know what I mean? Cool. Thanks, bro. Yeah, so I I would also appreciate if you would call me comedian Moshe instead of just Moshe. Um, so how does a Jew find meaning in a holiday that is focused on the liberation and the acquisition of freedom at a time when we all feel like our freedom has been taken away from us? Well, I, I got to say, I mean, it's not that there's an easy answer, but man, Jews have been doing that for throughout their history you know i mean there have been a lot of passovers where jews have been inside because they were afraid of you know the local authorities or because of some some war that was going around or or some you know like or some purge that was targeting i mean you know jews have had to to re maybe that's part of what's so powerful about passover is that it lends itself to the coronavirus it probably has lent itself very well to, to all kinds of feelings of oppression and, and right. The, yeah. And the and, I'm and thinking. To, I'm thinking. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just and I want to actually try to begin to answer your question, which is that one way that Jews have had to that ha, have to, had to find that freedom is to find it internally, like to make this a kind of. I mean, imagine these Jews in like Eastern Europe who you know really didn't feel like they were liberated, but like, but they started talking about like inner liberation. You know, like. Egypt, Mitzrayim, became like all about, like the word also means like um, narrowness, Mitzarim. So that's what it became about for them is like just escaping all forms of constriction, constricted consciousness, constricted um, 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 tensions in your, in your, in your life. They're, they're, it became about this sort of internal spiritual journey rather than about like some political realization of freedom. So that's well, one way. Yeah. Totally. That's uh, that's really powerful. And it made me think, even as you were saying it, that uh, my question, actually, I'm realizing now, 
was a question asked from a place of great uh, stability privilege. In, like a, most Jews in most eras of history wouldn't have had the stability uh, to ask a question like how can Passover be meaningful in a time when our freedoms are being restricted. I realized that I happen to have been born in one of the places where the freedoms of the Jews were the least restricted in one of the most stable times in Jewish and world history, more or less, depending obviously on where you are. And in that way, I realized like most of the time, Passover has been an aspirational story rather than a, than a reflective story, which is how I've experienced it mostly. I mostly experience it as here's a story of something that happened to people in the past. I reflect upon it. And I think that there are people that are still dealing with that kind of oppression today. I thankfully am not, etc. But right, most, right, right. most Jews in history uh, probably have had to look at that story and say, ah, perhaps someday we too will be uh, liberated from our oppression in the same way our forefathers were in Mitzrayim. So that is a kind of probably more what the Passover is for than what I'm thinking of. Right. I mean, the, the, think about the fact that the Seder ends with Lishanah Habibi Yerushalayim next year in Jerusalem. Like, there's the last note of the Seder is like, one day we'll get there. Like, we're, we're, still, we're still fighting for our freedom, but one day maybe we'll finally, finally get there. No, but I think you're right. We grew up at a time when, like, you know, it made more sense really to have a, like, social justice Seder where we talked about oppression in other countries because, you know, we were doing fine. Just before all this, we were, we were like, in the midst of a sort of a, a, a spew of anti-Semitic attacks in this country. And if it weren't for coronavirus, that would have been the thing on our minds this year for Passover. So it, 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 it isn't so distant. And then I was also thinking that like, that also feels very um, classically Passover. Like there's human oppression and then like God comes along, like nature comes along and it's just like, all of that other stuff doesn't matter anymore. Like now everybody's just like, whoa, what's happening in the sky? Like, you know, it's like there's something about coronavirus that's sort of blown all of those other. I'm not saying that there, 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 there isn't, you know, you know, still um, trauma and tension and violence in this country. But it's like even that feels somewhat on pause right now while everybody's sort of huddled inside their houses. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess. Not to uh, put too fine a point on it, but, uh, you know, I wonder, I wonder if I think that's true. I, I know what you're saying, that coronavirus seems to have superseded literally every conversation that we're having. But also, since it is Passover and we're reflecting on the oppression of others, it's important to remember that the degree that people are in pre-existing forms of oppression is actually making their coronavirus experience that much worse. People that are in domestic violent relationships beforehand are now trapped with their abuser and sometimes are dependent on their abuser uh, for, for sustenance and, uh, and stability. People that were undocumented are now unable to go get the health care that they may or may not need. And that leads to a myriad of other consequences. So, uh, so I, I'm yes anding what you're saying. Not only have we all said, oh, there's a primary enemy that is, we're, we're fighting right now, but also the enemies that were already around are exacerbating factors to this virus. And in that way, it's actually even more like the plagues because the plagues were a bunch of things that were uh, affecting a bunch of different spheres of the world in Egyptian society. And then came the big, you know, the big daddy of all plagues, which was 
truly death. And uh, and that was the thing that broke the back of the Egyptians. You, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I, I, don't, I, I certainly don't mean to say that, um, you know, nothing matters anymore. And, you know, bad, other bad things aren't happening. I just mean, like, all we're talking about is Corona when, like, you know, just recently, it seemed like there were these other, like the election that seemed like the most important thing. But you're absolutely right. I think that um, that all of these these systems of oppression are 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 amplified, and the things that are that feel most glaring on that front are some of the major conversations we were having in the election. Like, shouldn't everybody have ask access to healthcare? And like, shouldn't we have an economic system that like doesn't you know leave the majority of our country in peril if like one month's pay doesn't it goes missing and that's like a lot of the big crisis in our country is because we just don't have those things set up and and now it's like okay yeah well this is what you know capitalism is just sort of like you know wobbling along managing to like you know you provide most people with what they barely need but like crisis comes and it's like everything's off its rocker you know right yeah definitely i think we are in a feeling of all of the things that felt like the perilous balance of stability, which felt perilous before, we now are realizing why it felt so perilous, because the the balance has been undone and we are definitely teetering. Yeah, it does it does it does feel like and maybe this is like the the sort of the the liberation theme for this year. Like it does feel like this has to change us in some way i mean i'm not confident it will but it feels like gosh it, it's got to like we've got there's got to be some way in which that we come out of this and understand better that we're all connected and understand better that you know that you know your suffering actually is my suffering not just because like i'm nice and compassionate but because that's just the way it works we're all tied together and we've got to like push past i mean we're in this period of our history where you know, nationalism is on the rise and there, like militarism is on the rise. And it's like, everybody's huddling into their little camps. And like, you know, it's that, this is, this is made it cl- so clear that there's no, that like borders, you know, you can, you can build all the walls you want, but viruses don't respect them, you know? And, and we've got, we've right. got to get to where we see like a different kind of world where somehow we're, we're a little more um, compassionate towards one another, a little more aware that like, this whole system is interdependent. You know, it's not a competition. Well, I guess that said, you know, the Jewish community to me in the last few years has felt increasingly polarized into, you know, what, what has increasingly become trench warfare between, you know, factions and the more, the more kind of, um, you know, the classic old school lefty Jew and the new uh, kind of like American right-wing Jew have become uh, these kind of poles in the Jewish community. And I guess if we're talking about coming together, there is something that's sort of beautiful about thinking about the fact that all of those Jews in some way are going to be having a very strange and bizarre attempt to have a normal or at least meaningful Passover. I guess specifically I'm thinking, I think I would love it if we could all zoom in do a Zoom meeting into Jared Kushner's Passover Seder. I think we'd all love uh, to be a fly on that wall. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something deep about what you're saying, though, which is just that, like, this is an opportunity to 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 like care about each to worry about each other. Like, I, I, you know, like 
I'm worried about, I don't know, Trump supporters in this country, like their health. I, I don't I don't care about any of the differences right now. I just want everybody to make it through this. You know what I mean? Like there's something very bonding about this because we really do have some basic humanity that like when it comes down to the very bare basics, everybody's struggling with the same thing. Well, I am also worried about one Trump supporter in particular, which is once again, Kushner. I'm worried that his data matrix is going to glitch out and that his positronic network won't work. And then the next time he's giving a speech, he'll have some sort of software glitch and he'll just shut down in front of all of us. I mean, who know, who knew that we could have an Android, that the most powerful Jew in the government could be an Android, a living machine. It's very, very exciting. I, li- I like the way you've combined like the ancient trope of the, like the Jewish court, the court Jew advising the leader and the modern trope of like artificial intelligence taking over the government. It was like a nice, sinister wrap up old modern uh, metaphors and, and idea. You're, you're very, you're very creative. That's why they well, pay Thank you. David, here's a question for you. If you had to, you had to have a Passover Seder with one Jewish family. You have to choose Stephen Miller's family or Jared Kushner's family. And you're going to sit in there and have a Seder for four hours. For sure. Jared Kushner's family. Gotta be J- J- JK. He couldn't be in the same room with him. I mean, he's just too, yeah, yeah, couldn't be in the same okay, room. Okay, final question. Who do you find more personally, romantically attractive between the two of them? I'm going to go with Jared again. I guess, uh, I guess uh, it's, uh, I, I don't usually sing Jared's praises, but I guess it's his day. Well, I got some news for you. Uh, I am, I am Stephen on both fronts. No. That's right. I love Steve Miller, man. Gangster of Love, the, the two... The two what happened to this podcast? This took a very strange turn. Oh, uh, the Joker, some people call me the Space Cowboy. Yeah. I'm oh, like Steve Miller. Miller. Oh, that yeah. Steve Miller. Nice. What do you think I was talking about? Nice. Okay. 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 I still think Jared's cuter, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note... Uh, I think we want to wish everybody a Chag Sameach, and may you find the meaning in this horrifying time. Uh, may you find something in Passover that will uh, will push you through and uh, give you some freedom from whatever oppression you are experiencing. Yes, David, Amen. Amen. Happy Passover, everybody. Happy Passover. <laughs>